On this episode of Deep Thrones, we review Season 1, Episode 7, You Win or You Die. We dissect each of Ned Stark's terrible decisions, we prepare to say goodbye to King Robert Baratheon, and I welcome Chris back from Amsterdam, freshly groomed, plus many more hilarious segments. Winter is here. Hey guys, welcome back to Deep Thrones. This is uh, Season 1, Episode 7. I am Sims. My partner Chidi's on the line here. What's up, Chidi? Hey. Hey. So, uh, first Chris, off, welcome I back. I want to apologize to the listeners. Yeah, I, I, there's no way that I could put out an episode the day that I returned back from Amsterdam. So it's just really... No, he was in the red light district. Here. He was in the red light district. So we're going to have to... We had to ease him back uh, stateside. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think my brain was operational for like a full two days no. after I got it's back. It's like a science fiction movie where someone goes into deep space and then when they come back they have to like decompress. Yeah, it's, it's like Trump Space that. Force. You yeah. need to <laughs> fuck that right. brain for a little bit. You get a little um, something extra. Yeah. Well, welcome back. So you, had a, is, uh... you, you had a little message that you wanted to... Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to give a quick shout into? out to the fine folks at Manscaped. Uh, I bought this product thinking it was for my face it's not it's for your balls and uh i decided you know i've had it for about a week it's been it's kind of staring me in the face and i utilized it uh this morning and it actually works great uh it really really trims the edges so it really, really helps it's, with it's the yard work it really accentuates the product there it really accentuates <laughs> it really brings out the smoothness in my balls i think <laughs> Nice little bald really, head there. Yeah, um, a little James, couple of a couple of James Carvilles down there, looking all good. See, I was thinking more along the lines of like Michael, J- My, not Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan bald. Yeah, my, Michael Jackson, Jesus. <laughs> the good old Michael Jackson. I think you know one of the things I liked uh, most about it, and I compared it to it's like when a farmer, you know, like back in the day, they would burn down the field so it would replenish the crops. That's kind of what I did today, folks. Uh, scorched earth, <laughs> starting fresh. You should have collected the harvest. Well, yeah. That's all the, right. One of the fascinating things is no matter how much you hack out, you still find some. And you're like, where'd you come from? <laughs> what are you There's doing survivors over there? down there, man. They make, yeah, it, they make it through thick and thin. <laughs> but I, I had something that I've been wanting to get off my chest kind of this whole week. Um, all right, let's so see. I, I, so, okay, I was on Twitter and I saw from uh, a, a news source, a very reputable source, that Chipotle is testing out bacon in their in their uh, burritos and burrito bowls now, which I think is a preposterous idea. And I I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I I was under the impression that a lot of people would think that's a preposterous idea. But I yeah. found out on Twitter a little bit ago that people are actually kind of backing this bacon at Chipotle idea. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, why not? What, what would you have against? I think the biggest issue with bacon and anything at Chipotle is that they always have like listeria outbreaks. Like Chipotle is like number one in listeria issues. So you just hope that the bacon is well cooked. That's it. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that okay. So then does like pork get into all the other stuff? Because I think like yeah. isn't there like a large like vegetarian crowd that goes to Chipotle? Oh or yeah, because you can yeah. get like know. you know bean burritos and all that, and it's not meat. So yeah, vegetarian definitely right. is big. So I think, I don't know, the, the whole point is to draw back customers, and I think that that's really not going to be the case. I think you're going to start getting more of your, like, Taco Bell-ish, yeah. maybe Moe's sort of customers than, than your actual old Chipotle. If, Chipotle bacon, way if bacon alone brings back customers, then Papa John's should probably put bacon on everything. <laughs> they should make their new CEO a strip of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and and maybe and maybe uh, not record their not record their um, N word conference conversation. Calls yep. Yeah. yep, he was on yeah. Ambient, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ambient draws out the worst in all of us. Yep, yep. Uh, um, well, um, let's slow episode. Get into a review here. It's a slow episode, so we're gonna review Very it and try to have some fun along the way. Bear with us, gang. All right. That's what um, I say to every woman a, I make love with. You want to take us through this? And yeah. I'll throw my sure. Uh, we'll start with the first scene, which is uh, Jamie Lannister is talking to his father, Tywin Lannister, who at the end of last episode, Ned Stark, of course, charged with crimes uh, against the throne. And this is mm-hmm. our first little uh, scene with Tywin, who is a huge character in this series. 
uh, and it's great to see him because he's a great actor as well. Uh, and it's mostly <laughs> about Tywin being mad uh, and wanting Jamie to grow a set and really understand that you're a Lannister. We can't let another house strike against us. We have to strike back. And and Len er, and uh, Jamie's the oldest son in the Lannister family as well. And and not even to mention the fact that Tywin doesn't really like Tyrion anyway. So no. Tywin expects a ton from Jamie, and Jamie, as we all know at this point, is just a cocky, kind of arrogant, uh, immature, almost boy at this point. But um, so Tywin's basically saying it's time for you to grow the fuck up. You know, the family's at war. Our name is at stake here. So you have to become the man that you were yeah. always meant to be, and you have to do it now. But it's all about an- legacy. Another part. All about the legacy, and because the fa- he he even says it, the family name's gonna go on forever. But how many um, rings? You know, you no got? one's gonna remember us specifically, right? But the one of the coolest parts about this scene is Tywin is skinning a stag in the in the tent, and there's yes. a ton of symbolism there of Lannister uh, guy skinning a stag, who of course is the sigil of House Baratheon, and you'll see that kind of tied together at the end of this episode. But there's a ton of symbolism there. That is big symbolism, and uh, Jamie, of course, is like, you know, and that's the, like you said, Tywin doesn't even like Tyrion. It's more of a, a thing of like, it doesn't matter that I don't like Tyrion, he's still a Lannister, and the Starks still capture right. him, so we're going to make them pay for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And then the next scene we have here, we're back in King's Landing. Ned and Cersei are meeting in, in the Godswood at King's Landing, and. <laughs> Ned Ned actually summons Cersei down there, and this is I mean this is one of the all time dumbest moves ever in, in Game of, of Thrones. Yeah, I mean this is such a Ned Stark move. This epitomizes Ned Stark's dumbness here. But he calls Cersei down and pretty much tells him what he's found out, which is the fact that none yeah. of her kids are are actually Robert's kids. They're all with Jamie, and Jamie is the father. So. He pretty much reveals all his cards. Plays there his cards, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so dumb. You never want anyone to know that you know. Just ask Joe Pa. All right, you don't want to know things. <laughs> you want to be out of the know. Possibly Urban Meyer now too. Urban He's Meyer, yeah, that's bad. Ohio State, what it is. Fucking Rick Pitino, yeah. You never want people to know that you know. You don't want to know, especially you never want someone who has proven capable of murder over and over again murdering children murdering babies murdering old men and and you're gonna tell this person that you know her secret that's so fucking stupid Cersei murdered all those people when she she ordered the killing of the bastard oh, kids right. so there were a couple that's babies right. in there oh, shit. she um all she right. attempted to murder Bran and then she well she allegedly murdered, murdered John Aaron but mm. we all know how that ended up happening that's but. true so when in doubt, kids, don't know things. Always plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> if you take nothing else from this episode. From there, we go to uh, Baelish's uh, whorehouse, his brothel, where it's more of a scene where you learn kind of the kind of guy Baelish is, but this is a really graphic girl-on-girl scene. There's so oh, many. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many body parts. And it's weird because he's giving, like, a monologue while this is happening, and I honestly could not tell you a single thing he said. <laughs> There's just so much sweet action going on behind there. So many things flailing around. But the funniest part is mid-monologue, he stops and goes, put it in her butt. (laughs) Monologue, (laughs) and then goes back to what he's talking about. (laughs) Like, this is absurd. And one of the cool parts about this, actually, (laughs) that just came out recently, um, Maisie Williams, who plays Arya Stark, was doing an interview, and she was talking about, like, some of the more awkward scenes that she's had to watch being on set and she said that usually her parents were like pretty chill with the fact that there was sex and like blood and gore on the set but this was the one scene where everyone was just super awkward she couldn't make eye contact with anyone and she like pretty much had to leave the set um during that scene so yeah put it in her butt (laughs) imagine like the great monologues in film history because he's the hero we deserve (laughs) but not the one we need right now so we'll hunt him because he can take it, put it in his butt. Because he's not our hero. <laughs> <laughs> he's a silent guardian. Watch it. That's great. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I don't think anything really too important was talked about in there. Just a little bit of history on on how Littlefinger got to that position. 
And then the next scene, we go to Winterfell, and Theon is, you know, being... He thinks he's Big Prince Theon, and he's kind of giving Osha some business. Yeah, she's uh, the wildling also, that captured last episode. Right, and and Osha really gives him the business back, because she... I mean, wildling women are pretty much... I mean, Not I wouldn't say shit. that they're equal with wildly, wildly men on the so, on the social scale, but I think that um, wildling women are fighters, and and if it's a weak man, they'll definitely take advantage of that and and definitely give them the business. So you see her doing that a little bit here. To Theon, yeah, and then, then the Mason comes in, and he kind of gives Theon the business. Theon, from here on out, only gets the business. <laughs> Strictly business after this for Theon. Theon is strictly business. He does not have a good episode from here on out. If he's not getting (laughs) insulted by some prisoner, he's just getting chopped to bits. He's getting getting hot sausages served up on plates. And and Osha actually mentions to Maester Crescent, because he he was curious. He's like, how did you end up this far south? She says, I didn't mean to come this south, but there's scarier stuff going on up north. Uh, the long night is coming. You know they've just been sleeping. Yada yada yada. So some some serious foreshadowing out of yeah, her. And he of course doesn't believe her. You know, total right. Alabama leprechaun situation. <laughs> Could have been a crackhead. Got a hold of the wrong stuff. <laughs> oh, y'all saw the White Walker say, "Hey, <laughs> hey." <laughs> oh man, I still want to know what version of crack is the right stuff. <laughs> What's which version of crack is not the wrong stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, well, probably what that Serrano mayor was smoking up there, right? Yeah, or that dude in that cops thing you sent me, who keeps calling that cop Poppy. <laughs> Stop calling me Poppy. Stop calling me Poppy. <laughs> okay, Poppy. About your Poppy. Inside jokes. All right. So the next scene, John and Sam are on the wall. Again, it's all just dialogue this episode. Next thing you know, a horse comes running out of the woods of uh, out north of the wall, and it's a, a riderless horse. So they go down there to check it out, and it's actually it's Benjamin's horse, which is John's uncle who had just done a, a mission north of the wall. Right, and this is this is significant because up to this point, no one's heard any word of Benjamin since he left the wall, which was I believe at this point it was a few months ago or maybe even a year ago. So. Um, this is the first you ever see of him. I guess you don't really see him, but yeah, yeah you <laughs> see his horse. <laughs> um, and then we jump to King's Landing. Uh, Robert's dying here. He's laying on his deathbed. He was attacked by a boar. He was attacked by a boar. Uh, he actually ended up killing the boar by stabbing it through the head while his yeah. tusks were in him, which is a pretty badass move, but sucks that he had to go out that way. Yeah. Um, one part that stuck out to me about this scene is Joffrey sitting by the bedside in the beginning is actually fairly concerned. He looks like he's actually sad that his dad's dying, which is surprising well, to me. He thinks he thinks he, I that? think he always just thought Robert was his dad, didn't he? I think oh, he yeah, liked absolutely. Robert. You know, it's still his dad, and it was still his you know his king. So sure, I, I get why he's concerned. You know. Yeah. Uh, to me, Joff always just seemed like the type of person who couldn't wait for his dad to die so he could be king and get his way all the time. That's true. But I guess I was wrong in that. Well, or look at, at like Simba. Simba sings he can't wait to be king, and then when he becomes king, he's super sad because his dad got flung from a cliff. So be careful what you fucking wish for. Yeah, well, Simba no and Joff are Simba. Like No one potato. blames Simba. That's like a potato and a, and, a, and a tomato. You can't compare those two together. That's... Yeah, imagine a slice of potato on a hamburger. That'd be fucking weird. Uh, I could, yeah, I, I guess you eat fries with hamburgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you get those All right. Out well, that's your analogy, but, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert is uh, making his will in this scene, and he names Ned the Lord Protector until, until he says Joffrey comes of age, but Ned changes it to his heir comes of age because, of course, Ned knows that it's not his son. Um, so that ends up being significant there but big deal other than that i don't think there's too much to cover in that scene no and then we go from there uh kyle and danny just having a cute chat and uh danny gets nervous because kyle makes it clear i think to her that he has no interest at all in going to king's landing and taking the throne he just wants to raid and pillage and for her her main goal has always been this throne so she has some fear that he doesn't have 
and every couple goes through this. Do we want the same things in life? You know, it's it's a normal. <laughs> Do we want to just rape and pillage 24-7, or do we want to go take a throne Or do we want to get that quaint little two-bedroom uptown? (laughs) (laughs) It's a standard couple problem. It's a standard thing we all go through. But it is is cool to see them now, like, they're fully in the almost like husband and wife aspect. I mean, they, 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 you can tell that they love each other was kind of a concern earlier on but it's cool to see that it's now. all right it's all right i don't know if she really loves him i think she's holding out for <laughs> something better which exists yeah, yeah like like jorah maybe no yeah. answer the dm amelia <laughs> so the next scene we're up at castle black uh the brothers are all being sworn in so the new recruits are uh getting their assignments as far as the order so there's three orders of the night's watch it's the stewards the builders and the rangers so they're organizing all that and they're also uh preparing the brothers to be sworn in yes and john, john gets actually position gets, he does not yeah, he gets assigned to the stewards which to john is just a huge slap in the face because he's i mean his uncle was first ranger he's he fights the best on anyone there he's got the best skill set as far as swords and weaponry goes um, so it, John automatically thinks he's going to be a ranger, and then turns out that he's Not assigned so to his stewards, yeah. which he, is an important lesson. And he thinks lesson. it's all Alistair Thorne's uh, doing. And it's not really so much, actually. It turns out that the the Lord Commander actually just wants to take him under his wing and prepare him for leadership. Right. And well, right and, before and John, that, too. Well, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead, because I was going to get down to the last end of the scene there, so. I was going to jump back and say before that that Khaleesi was almost poisoned. Oh, did that? That happens before, Wait. yeah. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. Well, yeah. So really quickly, Khaleesi, some dude, is just like, here, drink this. And Jorah's like, don't drink it, Khaleesi. And Jorah had just received a pardon from King's Landing because he's supposed to kill Khaleesi, but he doesn't want to because she's some great ass. And he's like, yo, I'm not going to ruin this good ass. So he's like, I'm not going to do that no more. So then this guy's like, here, drink this. And Jorah's like, nah, brah, you drink it. And of course he doesn't want to drink it because he's poisoned. And then he's taken captured. Uh, he's taken prisoner by the Dothrakis. And then, boom, wall graduation. Right, you're right. Yeah, I, I, don't, know how I, I don't know how I skipped over that in my notes. because you're still fucking wigged out from Amsterdam. Yeah, probably. Um, but anyways, towards the end of that scene at Castle Black, John storms out all pissed off because he's a steward now. Sam's kind of consoling him but Pip walks up and he's like yeah you know like not all of us get the way we want I didn't want to be here I got diddled by by Lord that's right down south and, and and now I'm here so I don't give a fuck if you're a steward or you're a ranger like you know not everybody gets what they want basically so I thought that was a cool uh, that's a good lesson. Conversation good lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah. It's because he keeps saying that some dude tried to like grab his dick, and he was like, "No, nah, I don't want you to grab my dick." And he's like, "Fine, go to the wall." And he's like, "Ah, oh, shit." Could you imagine that? Like you, like, it's either get diddled or like go to the wall and serve the rest of your life up there. <sighs> that would it's suck. Up. That's literally yeah. what like Louis C.K. was doing. <laughs> it's fucked up. Yes, I know. It's, it's fucked up. up. That's why yeah. he's a bad boy. He is a bad boy. Um, and then from here, Renly has a convo with Ned where he's telling Ned that he needs to act now because Cersei's always playing three steps ahead and he knows that Cersei's up to no good. So he's like, yo, Ned, you need to get Joffrey under your wing immediately and prepare him for the throne. And then Ned says, nah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go the Stannis route. And Renly's like, what? Fuck my brother. He's an asshole. And this is another prime example of Ned being too honorable to do what's necessary. Yeah. I mean, he he's got to know that this is a long shot right like he he knows that the situation is going down right now in king's landing no one's heard from stannis in probably years at this point and he's off on dragonstone so it's going to take a while for word to get to him anyways nonetheless for him to show up at king's landing so the fact that ned doesn't put all this shit together and and that honor just always clouds his thought yeah. Is just more. I mean, it's. Just, I mean, it, it really. It grinds my gears. It grinds yeah. my gears. Yeah, and Stannis too. Like Ned may have known him when he was younger, but Stannis is that dude who goes off and gets into some really weird shit. Ned doesn't know the half of it. You know, it's yeah. like when you have a high school reunion <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "Holy shit, that guy really fell off the fucking wagon." 
He's he's uh drinking a lot of Mountain Dew and has a very heavy a uh very heavy bag over there. I don't know what's yeah, in it. Yeah, he's got a hot girlfriend who likes to set motherfuckers on fire. That's not... And then the next scene, we are in the Hands Tower. So Ned is in the process of sending this letter to Stannis, um, and and Littlefinger walks in at that point. And Ned reveals everything to Littlefinger, tells him his whole plan, and kind of trusts Littlefinger to help which him have do, help have his back here, which he should never do. But I mean, Littlefinger has played him like a fiddle to this point, so I don't know if I really uh, knock Ned as much for trusting him at this point, because I mean, he's like you know, that's like when you go to a foreign city or you know, a foreign country or something, and your wife has a friend out there like that's one of the only people you should be able to trust right so think, i don't know yeah. if i actually knock mad for for this decision as much as his others up to this point but especially because baelish um, is so hard for catalan that he probably figures that he won't do him yeah. wrong knowing what it would do with to his relationship with catalan right and and uh little finger offers to pay the gold cloaks to be on ned's side when this huge confrontation comes down about mm-hmm. who's going to assume the throne so that turns out to be pretty important in the yeah. next coming scenes. And from there, John goes north of the wall to take his oath. Uh, he does, and then his his uh, dire wolf ghost comes up to him with a hand, and it's just, oh no, people people getting sliced and diced up in this bitch. Ghost just walks up. He's like, hey, you guys need a hand? And they're all like, hilarious. Ghost, good pun, but also, where'd you get this? It's like Game of Thrones sitcom right there. It's great yeah, material. It's just, there's the laugh track, and it's fantastic. And they're like, ghost. <laughs> ghost. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> next scene, we're at uh, Vase Dothrak. The Poisoner is caught at this point, so his punishment is to... He's going to get strung up behind a horse, and he has to keep up with the whole Kalisar as they're going on their, on their travels. And... Um, the most important scene here is Cal Drogo decides that he's going to cross the narrow sea now and take the take the Iron Throne for his son. So, right for his son, and and I mean the fact that I don't know. I mean I thought it was pretty cool. Jason Momoa had to like study how to do the haka dance for it's that. It's a great for that scene. Speech. It really is a great yeah, scene. Was, he does a fantastic. It got comedy. me pumped up. Oh my god, every time it cuts to Khaleesi, she's kind of giving him those, like, pussy eyes, you know, where she's like, oh, fuck. And every time it showed her, I was like, oh, god, what a gem she is. So we'll we'll, we'll switch the focus back on Jason Momoa for a second, because I don't want Mm-mm. you to get too worked up thinking about Amelia. Uh, um, but quick quick question, who's the better who's the better Aquaman, him or Vinny Chase? Oh, I go, I go Momoa. Really? See, I haven't seen Jason Momoa's Aquaman, but I, I have seen Vinny Chase's, and I don't know. Vinny Chase set records with his Aquaman film. I don't think Jason Momoa did. Yeah, I don't know. I, who's whose stallion is more impressive, Cal Drogo's or Mr. Hands? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. That's yeah. I, I say, yeah, I have gotta no be hands. <laughs> All right, me neither. We'll yeah, no strike, on that strike it for the records. <laughs> and then, and then uh, <laughs> so next scene. Yeah, yeah I like how we both took a second. Yeah, we're like, yeah, think about Mr. Hands. RIP, moment of silence for Mr. Hands. But the next scene, we're in the throne room at King's Landing. Robert is officially dead at this point. So Joffrey assumes the throne. Um, Cersei and, and everyone at this point is backing him. The whole throne room's in there. Uh, the King's Guard's all backing him. And as Ned's walking in, Littlefinger lies to him saying, the city watch is yours. Gold cloaks, yeah, we'll help you. And, and they don't, uh, of course. Yeah, uh, and yeah, this scene kind of ended fucked up. I, everyone I dies. Talk about you want to take us through it? Everyone yeah, gets killed. Joffrey's now the king. And then, of course, Baelish jumps on Ned's back, blade to his neck, and says, I told you you shouldn't trust me. And Ned is taken prisoner. And uh, all these dudes, like Varys and Littlefinger and all of them, like, Varys has more redeeming qualities than Littlefinger, but even he is so spineless. And that's like, I get it. Ned acts dumb. He's so dumb, and he pays for it dearly. Right. But it's like, there is a certain part of me that's like, if you act smart and still have honor, that it's forgivable. 
but I will still take dumb and honorable sometimes over just how spineless a lot of these people are. Like Cersei. Cersei's a backstabber, but she's not spineless. Like, at least I can respect how hardcore she is, you know? Yeah. No, Granted, I, I, she's I, a Lannister I, I and has all this power. Too. I agree with you to an extent, and Cersei even shows a little bit of mercy here when when uh, Robert hands, um, who is it he handed it to, uh, the the head of the Kingsguard, it's his his name's slipping my mind right now. But anyways, Selmy. he hands him the, yeah, yes, yeah, sir, Bar Sir Barristan Selmy. Yeah. Um, Ned hands him the he thing. Says, the no letter. question, Your Honor. Right, and basically it's the it's Robert's will. So it's yeah. naming Ned the Lord Protector until Joffrey comes of age or the heir comes of age. And Cersei takes it and just rips it up. And she, she offers a little bit of mercy. She says, Ned, you know, bend the knee, declare Joffrey king, and you can go home to Winterfell and, and you know, he should have just done ever that. come back. He should have just fucking did that. And, and we never had these problems. He would have been great fighting White Walkers. Yeah. 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 Well, he and probably would have fucked that up too, knowing how dumb he is. But he would have been like Night King. Let's make a truce. <laughs> <laughs> but so he doesn't. But yeah, bend so the that knee. was that episode. He's taken prisoner, yeah. and then the next. Well, and then it ends with the cow traveling to, of course, show like, "Hey, here they come," kind of scene. And uh, that dude is being dragged behind Khaleesi's horse, and his dick is just fucking bouncing everywhere. Yeah, his little pee pee's dangling just, right just, there, just bouncing to and fro. And that's the episode. So what? Are, what? Are, what would you rate this one? I give it a very flaccid four. It, it bored me, dude. It's just too much dialogue, and it was just, oh, it's just like every scene is a bunch of talking, and it's just talking and talking and talking, and yeah. we discussed how think... these episodes can be great, even when it's a lot of talking to set up bigger stuff, right. and it did set up bigger stuff, but it's just boring. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a soft five, and I think that the scenes in King's Landing in this episode were really good because everything was coming to a climax in, in that storyline for the most nice. part but the rest of the storylines in this episode were just kind of just really boring i mean the boring. castle black storyline was boring, boring. The, uh, the the danny getting poisoned storyline was fairly boring yes so i just and then not even not to mention the winterfell storyline for a second was super boring so boring i know none of it appealed yeah. to me I was, yeah. I was. It was eternal. actually really the best scenes in the in the in this sh in this uh, episode was the first scene when Tywin's talking to Jamie, and then the last scene in the throne room. Yeah, even the horror training was between, too long. Yeah. yeah. I could get a video right, so, on Pornhub for two minutes, and <laughs> have a better time. It's like a. Do so you want like to jump into segments? Oh yeah, let's do some segments. Yeah, what's the first segment? First segment, best line slash Yas Queen. So, uh, you want to start us off with your best line of the episode? Let's see my best line. My best line was, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. Because, one, title of the episode, but two, 100% true in this show. If you don't win, true. you die. That's it. There is no middle ground. Which is, I, I'm so excited for season eight because, like, I wonder who's going to survive. It's going to be a lot of dying. Yeah, there's there's going to be characters dying at an alarming rate. Yeah. And it's it's the be opposite of America wait. currently. We're getting tired of winning right now, folks, but in that episode, we're going to get tired of dying in season eight. Yeah, it's going to get narrowed down really quick. My best, or actually, no, what's your, what's your, wait, yeah, what's your Yas Clean? My that. Yas Queen was Tywin to Jamie when he says, You served as a, a glorified bodyguard for two kings, one a madman and the other a drunk. Yeah, damn. That, that probably hurt his pride. When your dad, <laughs> if right your dad there. says that, that would suck. Your dad drops that line on you. So that's a hard thing Tywin to does not bullshit. No, that's, you gotta respect it. Yeah. Uh, my best line the lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of sheep. Yes. I think that's, I mean, I use that line actually in day-to-day -day life a lot, so. Same. I, yeah, that's, I don't know, I don't, I don't know well, if that you was a Game of Thrones line, or was that like. Dude. No, this is an old expression. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay. And then my Yas Queen was um, Ned saying about Robert, no man could have protected him from himself. Oh, um, wow, too much, it's which, a hard, hard burn because it's a true yeah. burn. Yeah, and and that's uh, I that I chose that as my Yas Queen because I think that you could say that a lot 
like if someone goes out and like blacks out really hard one night or if someone goes to Amsterdam and like is hung over for two days afterwards no mm-hmm. man could have protected him from himself yeah. you know? or another guy so. shaves his nuts completely hairless <laughs> yeah, don't don't fuck around and slice yourself up dude no dude, I don't want to get myself into sex using that. yep alright hottest moment hottest moment for me uh, do you want to go first you go first you go first. You, I'll go you first. Cause yeah, I, you go first. I, thanks. I, I think it'll be the same, probably, because there's only really one hot moment in this one. Yeah, it was sure. in uh, Littlefinger's brothel when, they, oh, when the two no. girls are training. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I got it. Well, yeah, well, the, the two girls are training. We, we discussed this in detail a little bit yeah. with the put it in her butt and stuff. So, yeah, that yeah. was my hottest moment. This is a wintry scene. It is a wintry scene, whether you want it to be or not. It's one of those scenes where you stand up and your pants shift and you feel a little bit of wintry mix <laughs> and you're like ah who knew <laughs> you know and then uh so my hottest moment actually chris is uh the khaleesi and cow's final speech the cow's final speech because again ladies i don't know if you know you do this but there are occasionally girls make this one this face and khaleesi does it like five times during this scene where she's just really into what the cow's saying she has this glow in her eye she, i don't think she actually did bite her bottom lip but i kind of pictured that she did <laughs> and I don't quite remember, but I was super into it. Uh, and every time it showed her face, she was just like, the more she was into it, the more I was into it. And uh, it's just, I, uh, she's, oh, God, I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Uh, See, I like, I, I, I like that scene for a different reason. I, I, could, I was imagining myself, like, getting ready for a football game or something, or, like, halftime of a football game. And, and he's, like, pumping uh, you up. And, and the Kyle's just, just pumping me all up. So I, I, did, I did like that scene, but... Oh, you what almost said I, his I name. You almost call. said Jason. Yeah, said, all right. Uh, yeah, Jason Momoa. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he, he did a good job in that scene. But again, those cuts to Khaleesi. If you, folks, watch it again, and you anyone will know what I'm talking about. She is, her eyes are just, there's this light. She's a smoke smoke show, total smoke show. All right, all right, easy over there. All right? don't, don't get all wintry on us. <sighs> Too late. So, your favorite segment. I'm West like, young Casey, call me the snowman. Oh, fuck, Westeros history minute. So actually, I got a request. Uh, shout out, shout out, Brad Strelchak for this request. He asked about uh, the city watch of King's Landing. So I'll give ah, a quick. Thank you very much. That's a good question. I like that. Uh, I'll give a quick little breakdown. Uh, not too much in detail, but thank you to nice Brett. little overview. So um, the city watch of King's Landing, aka the Gold Cloaks. Yeah. Um, they. They became a necessity when King's Landing really came into itself as as a, as the capital city. Um, of course, Aegon the Conqueror founded not what was now King's Landing. He he opened up the Aegon Fort and then a city built around it. So as that city built around it, of course, they needed a policing force. So that's really where the City Watch uh, came into play. They are sworn only to the Iron Throne. So. Uh, there's no other allegiances there to any other lords, strictly to the king. Uh, they wear gold cloaks, and their armor is black, and they're equipped with spears and dirks and, and uh, the occasional sword from time to time. But the standard equipment is, is the spears and dirks. They were established under the Targaryen dynasty, like I said, but the most famous commander of them was Prince Daemon Targaryen, or Daemon Targaryen, however you want to say it. I'm going to say Daemon for those purposes. Uh, he was the one who actually established the tradition of wearing the gold cloaks and funded the city watch so that they could get the proper equipment, so that they could get their weapons and armor. So this was kind of the golden age of the city watch. And he was a guy who inspired loyalty more so through fear than actually being a good dude. Um, he was known for his brutal punishments and he instituted a strict disciplinary code on the city watch. And this led to an all-time low of, of crime in King's Landing, even up until, you know, the, the events of today in Game of Thrones. Crime has never been as low as when uh, Prince Daemon Targaryen was the commander. And now, people. of course, we have uh, Jan- Janice Slint as the commander, and he is the exact opposite of Daemon Targaryen. He's corrupt. He accepts bribes. Uh, people pay him for positions within the City Watch. He betrays people. Uh, pretty much the highest bidder is who he goes to, and we see that at the end of the episode when Ned gets betrayed by him. Um, he murders babies, like when he killed the bastards of Robert. 
So he's really the exact opposite. I would say the City Watch is almost at a low point at this time when we come in uh, at the beginning of Game of Thrones. So, yeah, that's that's all I've got. That's good. That was, that was actually really interesting. That's stuff. That's, those are good questions. Uh, let's give a shout-out to your buddy, Brett. That's a great question. We appreciate it. Uh, keep them coming, thanks, folks. Thanks, we, we appreciate that stuff. Uh, and now mm-hmm. I'll give you uh, Thrones for Dummies. Uh, my question is just because now, you know, Renly is arguing he should have the throne now that Robert's dead and we're hearing about Stannis really for the first time which is Robert's brother kind of a strange brother so just a little Baratheon family history what do you know about Stannis what do you know about Mm -hmm. Renly what was their growing up like together these three characters so Stannis was a lot closer in age to Robert so Stannis is the middle child but I think he's only separated by about a year or two whereas Renly was a child when uh, you know the other two Baratheon brothers were at war during the during the rebellion. So Stannis is a renowned military commander. Um, he, he survived the siege of uh, Storm's End when uh, I mean they were under siege throughout the whole throughout the whole Robert's rebellion uh, uh, happening basically. So Stannis was the one who actually kept storms in for them which would have been a huge loss because if they were to lose storms in then the path to king's landing would have been opened up for the lords tyrell and all the southern lords so uh the rebellion could have failed at that point so stannis is you know an accomplished commander he led the sack of um pike during the great joy rebellion really on the other hand is all more so i guess flashy and and, and uh likable so Renly has always been kind of the more charismatic of the two. Stannis doesn't really give a fuck what people think. Renly is very concerned with impressing people. Um, he wears fancy, shiny armor. He buys, he's, he's a lot more wealthy than Stannis is. Um, so, of course, Renly thinks he's more suited to take the throne because no one really likes Stannis. Um, but in reality, who knows? I think I don't know. I think Stannis probably would have been a better king than Renly, but at the same time, Stannis is allowing people to be burnt at the stakes and stuff. So I don't know. Do you Even knowing on, that for a very long too? time, I was actually a very big fan of Stannis until the very end, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I was always a big fan of Stannis. Something about him, I always thought there was a, some humanity in him, and you could see it in him. Unfortunately, desires take over. But I think if he, in this situation, was able to go straight to the throne, I think he actually would have been a good king. Because he would have been a king who, he would have been one of those presidents who no one knows, you know, it's like a president who, it's like, not one of the big ones, but nothing crazy happened during his time. He just did his thing, you know? And and one thing that you can say about Stannis is he's always been a just person, so I think that... Yeah, well, Renly says something, he's like, oh, so what will it be? either me as the King Ned or Stannis at war. Like, I don't think Stannis would just seek out a war for the sake of it. I think he would sit on the throne and they would be prepared for, like, say, if the Dothraki invaded, he would be better equipped to take them down. And I don't think he would seek out war, though, you know. So I think Stannis would... Which leads us to a new segment we are going to try. Oh, yeah, the alternate history. So I kind of tossed this idea around, but alternate history is exactly what it sounds like it's just a what if this scenario played out a little bit differently so my alternate history to you was when joffrey assumes the throne when at that at that scene at the end in in the throne room and cersei offers ned the chance to return to winterfell all he has to do is bend the knee and proclaim joffrey king what if ned actually does do that and goes back to winterfell How, how do you think the rest of how do you think the rest of uh, Game of Thrones plays out after that? Well, you see, let's think of it this way. So then Ned goes back to Winterfell, right? Which means that Catelyn probably goes back to Winterfell. Right. Which means that Tyrion... There would have to be some sort of... Right, yeah, exactly. So then all the Starks would be alive in Winterfell, which would be interesting. But then as you progress and you hit fast forward when the shit starts hitting the fan, and there's still these catalysts that would happen, you know the idea of Daenerys wanting to take the throne, Ned would be alive to tell Jon, like, yo, you gotta know this. So it would set off some really interesting shit. I don't think... I think if Ned goes back to Winterfell, I think that he's still gonna demand that Tyrion be brought to justice or there's some sort of uh, 
another trial held or something because he's still he's still under the impression that Bran was uh, tried to be murdered by by attempted murder from Lannister. So I, I mean, I think Jamie pushed him out the window. Be, yeah, <laughs> but, still but he doesn't. That's, that's alleged. I'm saying that's alleged to Ned at this point. You know, no one, no one actually has that confirmed. Right. So my point is, there's still. I still think there's a war between the North and the West. So I think there's a little civil war there. Now, Joffrey being on the throne, that's obviously going to pin most of the kingdoms against against the North. I mean, the only people who really have his side would be. Stannis, right? I mean, no one. Right, maybe but Renly. You maybe mean to Renly tell? Would... So this is your argument to me. Then is what you're saying is that Renly would have their side. I think. I think Renly would be against Cersei. But so let's look at this really quick. And, and don't even count Renly. Stannis from Dragonstone, which is east of King's Landing, and then the North, which is right, which is north of King's Landing. Right, and the an Riverlands would be on the north side too. An area that Joffrey's people cannot battle. And the military minds on that team are Stannis and Ned against Joffrey? And what, Tywin, I guess? Against Tywin, yeah, the greatest fucking mind in the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, I still, I go I go with the guys who are tried and tested. I would go with Stannis and Ned in that battle. Well, Tywin's, Tywin's arguably more tried and tested than both of them. Tywin has money. That's what he's got. Tywin he's has got money. hella money. He has military experience. I would take Tywin. He also has the king, so you know everyone swore their oath to the king. And right? keep in so, mind, I mean, you're gonna keep have... in mind that ticking time bomb in their family unit named Tyrion, who hates his family and knows they're no good, and that will implode from the inside out. You still have that girl with that blonde hair, who I want to smell that hair when she crosses that sea. Uh, <laughs> that's you know, oh yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I didn't even. These, but see, these... okay, but but then but then you have Ned, you have the dynamic of Ned and Stannis who hate Targaryens for the most part, and then okay, so Danny crosses. You think that so that would be more of a three-way combat. Triple threat match: than, Stone Cold versus Triple yeah. H versus The Rock. Yeah, that'd be wow. That would almost be a better storyline than the one we have now. Wow, let's write this. Let's get this into production. I will direct <laughs> yeah, message Amelia and. Well, first, we'll focus on fishfuckers, because I already got that kind of, the wheels are turning. <laughs> so after fishfuckers, we'll right. focus on our Game of Thrones. Wow, All this was right, actually, so, yeah. alternate history's going to stick, because that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, and uh, next, uh, it, won't be in every, it won't be in every episode thing, but every no. time we have some cool stuff like that. Especially in this about. one, because there was a lot of yeah. potential histories that could be altered. Right. So let's find Georgia Date. Oh, yeah. I'll go first, because mm -hmm. I don't think mine is that okay. good, and apparently you got a banger, so we'll end on your banger. Mine, so I Googled I George R. R. Martin. Relevant. I didn't say I had a banger, so don't, let's not set me Chris up Chris told me earlier, he texted me, he said, whoa, a real winner in George R. R. Martin at date. <laughs> yeah. Be ready. Uh, so mine, I Googled George R. R. Martin, and he's a huge New York Mets fan, so I figured Mr. Met, their mascot. Uh, oh, man. Google nice. him. He Isn't looks he hilarious. No, no, Mr. Met is a human, except his head is a huge baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to, you know, you think that head's a baseball, wait till you see his other one, you know what I mean? Just a big old, and just imagine George, right. he's like, so you're, you're Mr. Met, huh? And then they're just making out. Imagine George R. R. Martin making out with Mr. Met. You can't with shake it once you picture it. Yeah. I feel like That's my voice great. might be a little tired sounding, folks. I have a little bit of a cold, bear with me. I think you sound crispy as fuck, so. Thanks, dude, I appreciate up. you saying that. Um, so my day, uh, it's kind of relevant because she recently leaked some nudes oh, accidentally, but Nikki Heaton. Nikki Heaton. Yeah, so, so this is an Instagram model that's, I mean, Same. she's an HGB for sure, definite hot girl babe, but she recently accidentally, quote-unquote quote accidentally, yeah, quote released unquote. some nudes. So the, I guess the reason I would pair them up together is unnecessary nudity obviously you know we're, we're on snapchat like you're not sending me a direct nude you're putting this on your story if i see it i don't want i don't want it to be on your story why well, you gotta have everyone else showing the nude that i'm supposed to get what's the deal with that yeah you know, no one likes no one likes that no so, i know that's why i only jerk off to porn that has no views <laughs> yeah. look, look look for the press videos look for those videos. hot off the press and also another reason video, George <laughs> George accidentally accidentally releases uh, I guess informational books more so than his novels 
he's been saying Winds of Winter is coming out for years, and then now he's releasing this Fire and Blood, uh, more so encyclopedia type book than another novel. So he's just accidentally coming out, pulling these books out of his ass instead of releasing the real ones. Yeah. So Nikki Heaton also makes accidents and post nudes accidentally. And then I feel like my last reason. What's that? I just feel like George R. R. Martin got really big into like a show on Netflix, and then just kind of like hung out a little bit, and then he was like, "Holy shit, I gotta write that fucking book." <laughs> Either that, or he just started smoking pot a lot and just forgets. Yeah, he's just like, "I already wrote that, right?" <laughs> <laughs> that was. Done. And then uh, my last reason is they both kind of tease us. George teases us with dragons for seasons, and Nikki Heaton teases, teases us with tots, titties. Yep. Yeah. Imagine the life of an Instagram model. You just—it's just like, here's some money. Go take a picture in a thong. Yeah, Jealous. I mean, I imagine Jealous. it'd be pretty dope. Just I'm showcasing products. I'm gonna start wearing some sexy bikinis and taking pictures and put them on Instagram. See what I can muster. But see, people kind of take like Instagram model. I mean, an Instagram model is basically the same as a model. They do the same stuff. But I yeah, feel like there's just... more of a negative connotation put on Instagram models than regular models. The medium's I mean, changing. There shouldn't be a products, negative connotation. Right? Yeah, the medium's changing. I don't. I don't like to judge anyone for how they make money. Anyone else on this earth would do it if they had if they had the means, right? Oh, absolutely. So, oh, Kim 100%. Kardashian. Listen, I would blow Ray J for however much Kim's worth. <laughs> Oh, I would yeah. get OJ found not guilty of murder. <laughs> oh man! All right, so what's your next? Were you next, about to quote segment? Kim? <laughs> I was. I was gonna quote the sex tape, but I figured maybe the majority of our listeners haven't seen the sex tape, so Yo, I was the most outrageous line in the history. It's not even sexy. Not even sexy. It's just weird. Yeah, it's just like oh, oh yeah, make my pussy explode. <laughs> What the fuck? Excuse me? No, Make thank your you. Pussy do what? <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> I like Christ. your pussy. I don't want to blow it up. It's yeah, fucked Jesus. up. All right. Why? What's the reason? <laughs> so, um, what's your unnecessary titties? My unnecessary titties actually was the Baelish training his prostitutes. Uh, he's talking about oh, really? important shit. He's talking about important shit, and I don't know what he's saying because it keeps cutting to two girls banging and it's I don't want sexy sex scenes as important shit is being said I want to be able to listen to it alright well yeah I see your point but if, I, you know yeah. you know every it was thriller also a great scene I mean I, I, I love I, I liked it imagine <laughs> every thriller you know every thriller you go see you know like and it's they're revealing who the killer is and as they're doing it there's just two chicks just macking on each other that would be frustrating because you're trying to listen and, but you can't. Yeah, but but it really make you just. It, then you just look at it and you'd be like, "Would you look at that? Would you look at this? <laughs> yeah, look <laughs> at look it. At them. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. <laughs> All right. So my unnecessary titties was the uh, poisoner's dick when, when he was walking behind the calisar, <laughs> and he's just got a little. He's got a, like guy. A, a quarter chub just hanging down. <laughs> And he, he's struggling to keep up with the horses. I mean, there's, oh no. I mean, I guess making him naked is embarrassing to him, but I don't. I, I mean, walking, being forced to keep up with a horse is pretty hard enough punishment itself. And then to have to compare your so. dick to the horse's dick, it's just oh yeah, constant I didn't, I didn't embarrassment. Even think about that. He's looking over That's that cool. horse, and the horse is looking back at him like Jesus Christ. And not only that, but Felici. <laughs> Could you believe this guy? Can Would you, you look at that? Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> the horse dick again everything comes back to mr hands for some reason but imagine like and then there's amelia of all people leading it and it's just like that's embarrassing because you want to put your best dick forward when you're around amelia clark <laughs> you don't want to have be in that guy's situation all right so trial by combat what do you got for us this week Ooh, this is another uh john original um from the guy who brought you Legal Jannies and Fishfuckers comes a new show. Uh, and this is a, a show I came up with under similar circumstances to Fishfuckers. I was doing a lot of painting at this time. And I was actually. I was painting uh, crevices of boats and shit. And in doing so, the fumes really get to you. So you just kind of think loopy thoughts. And I thought about a show uh, uh, called Porta Potty Boys. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Let's let's hear the explanation on this one. Give us a synopsis of Blood and Body Boys. It's just about. It's just about. For people listening at home, uh, it's just about it's it's a show about dudes who just you know they work hard, they play hard, and they shit in porta potties. <laughs> So it's basically about a bunch of construction workers. It's a documentary it's, on construction workers. It's about workers, these basically. guys are construction workers. They're buddies, and it's about it's about it's mostly about their relationships and shit. But it's also, you know, they're always hanging around the porta body, just hanging out, it's cracking wise, having fun, and uh, they're always getting into hijinks. And then they go and they do their business in the porta potty, and it's a big. And whenever they're in the porta potty taking a <laughs> shit, the camera's like ten feet in front of the porta potty, just like staring at the porta potty. And of course, you don't see anything because the door's closed. But for some reason, the camera just like stays on the porta potty during the whole shit. Well, yeah, but you gotta keep them. You gotta keep them mic'd up when they're they mic'd go on up, the porta potty, right? It's like, yeah. Oh, so oh god, can... it smells. <laughs> oh, <it's no> <laughs> you can paper. do that work in there for sure. I actually I... a little a short anecdote about my experience with porta potties. So I had a friend actually. Um, this was during a Mardi Gras celebration. His name was and... Schmish Swims. <laughs> No, no, no. This I, this actually wasn't me. If it was me, I'd let the I'd let the listeners know. Um, but anyway, so this this pal of mine was macking on this chick, and they and it's Mardi Gras, so there's large ass lines for these porta potties. So they wait in the line for the porta potty, and then go in there and smack in the porta potty. Meanwhile, all these people are waiting to get in there, and then they both come out together. Obviously, just went and smacked in the porta potty. Wow. And, that's that was my first thought when you said porta potty boys. Yeah, that, that's that's what I called him for a little bit. It was porta porta potty boys. So. Wow, mm-hmm. it's the opposite of the Mile High Club. It's the new low club. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I this is a true yeah. story. I once was uh, went to the bathroom at a porta potty, and I had I was doing some work, so I had like these elastic gloves, but there was no toilet paper, so I used one of the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that Jeez. was a. I don't think anything good has ever happened in a porta potty. Well, we'll find we'll find out on we'll the next episode of Porta Potty Boys. I like how you're <laughs> better with this than you were with Legal Jannies. I like how Legal Jannies was. I think you were even better with fish fuckers than you were with Legal Jannies. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get Legal Jannies. I didn't like Legal Jannies. I I don't know. I, yeah, but you get give this. Me, give me porta, give me the PPB. <laughs> I get this one. PPB. I give the PPBs. Yeah, let's get the hashtag PPB going. Boy. But, uh, no, so I don't, I'm not even going to get into detail about why Game of Thrones is better than Porter Potty Boys. So I All think right. we've talked about this long enough already. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alright. Another episode so, in the books. Uh, what would you like to say to close? Um, I, I appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting from the episodes and we appreciate everyone listening. So thank you and hopefully... Uh, we continue to get that from you guys. Yeah, we really loved it. It's been great. Uh, keep listening, Chris. Great to have you back from Amsterdam, buddy. Thanks, man. Good to be back. Good to be back, and uh, it's good to be groomed. Good to be groomed. Hey, uh, Amelia, hit me up. Let's. Uh, I could be your new low. Find me in the porta potty. <laughs> <laughs>